Welcome to Diversify the Stand, the resource centered around listening, learning, and promoting diverse musical voices in music through our podcast, website, commissioning projects, and more. I'm Carrie Blosser. And I'm Ashley Killam. Join us on our journey as we speak with composers, creators, performers, historians, and music educators about the topics important to them and music's betterment. We are so excited for to have our guest today. Dr. Lauren Rudzinskas is the general manager of the International Women's Brass Conference and the executive director of the Virtual Trombone Workshop. She was the part-time professor of trombone and euphonium at Mansfield University in Pennsylvania until fall 2020. She taught at the Eastman Community Music School and has published articles, written two pedagogical books, received grants, and released a CD. So welcome, Lauren. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. And thanks for that kind introduction. So we wanted to start off and talk a little bit about your role at the International Women's Brass Conference and maybe like what a day in the life of a general manager is and a little bit about your role with that group. Yeah, so I have to say the probably the best thing about my job is that I don't have a day in the life of. And, and I think maybe as musicians, we're all kind of wired to love that sort of like change in routine, change in schedule. Like we have different students or different lessons that we're teaching or different classes or if we're performers, we're playing different concerts on different schedules. Like we're just kind of wired, I think, to like that adaptability in our schedule. And for me, it's perfect because the International Women's Brass Conference, while we are a conference in our name, we're so much more than that. So um, I get to set my own hours. I get to work from home, which in a pandemic was amazing because I was already quarantining before it was cool. <laughs> and um, it's been really, really nice because I've been able to work on a lot of different projects. And with the coronavirus affecting everything that we're doing. Our conference, like many others, were postponed. Um, so it meant that I was able to actually work on some projects that maybe would have been on the back burner or things that I would have gotten to at a different point in time. Um, but with the conference being postponed, like all those kind of things, and that's a lot. And the conferences are a, are a lot to do a lot of work. That's a lot of my job. So I definitely don't want to understate that. But it meant that it was pushed off for a little bit more time and I could work on some of the other things and even start some new initiatives that I'm really excited about. Excellent. I think the general manager is just like a term for like kind of the the Jill of all trades or the... Yeah, I take I take the term general very, very <laughs> seriously in my job. Very, very macro, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so for IWBC, you started the first ever mentorship program. Would you talk a little bit more about how that got started and what the goals of the IWBC mentorship program are? You know, it's a good question. And I was trying to think back to like, when did I actually come up with the idea? And I'm not sure if this is it, but I remember when I first got the call um, and, you know, aside from just the, the me as a musician being like fangirling out about the fact that like I was talking to Susan Slaughter and Joanna Hersey and all these amazing people, <laughs> like um, I, I sat down and I thought like, okay, what do I want to do? Because one of the things I think that I bring to this role that's special is that I am not just an administrator. I am first and foremost, a trombonist, a musician and educator. So coming into this role, I bring me as a person and not, you know, not just my ability to type in spreadsheets, you know, um, which I think has worked great. And so I was 
really fortunate to work with incredible, and I still am, with incredible people through IWBC. And they've always kind of embraced my craziness of these ideas that I have and these things I want to do. And so at some point, I made just this big, long proposal of things that I wanted to do, things that I thought maybe we should change to move forward, or like maybe some tweaks on the website, which is just an ongoing process. If you have a website, you're always tweaking it. Um, and that's one of my larger goals there too. Um, and so the mentorship program was something that I just remember feeling like I'm really lucky. I can just call up Ginger Turner and be like, hey, can you listen to this solo I recorded? Or Natalie Mannix, do you have any advice about applying for jobs? Like I went from someone who was still in school and like, you know, I had my teacher and I had my friends, but then all of a sudden I was in this network of incredible talented people who had been through the music world in a way that not a lot of people in my circle had because I went to the Eastman School of Music and um, Eastman definitely has a bit of a reputation for not being incredibly diverse in their studios. And so most of my time in Eastman, I was one or one of a few female students. And your experience is just going to be different. That's just the way it is. Um, and sometimes it's easy to misinterpret things that are happening in situations you're in and when there's no one else who has been through the same kind of thing. So all of a sudden I had this community of people who like had been there, done that, understood that. And to be totally honest, I didn't even know like how wide the talented community of women was in the brass field. Just my my horizons hadn't been expanded yet. So I felt like this is so cool, right? And and I am getting so much out of this. And it's something that, I mean, like I'm applying for the mentorship program myself, like Lauren, the general manager aside, I think it's really cool. And I want someone to help me with my, my performance and my teaching career. Um, and so I thought like, I think this is a way that really I could make a difference and give back to people because all of these amazing, talented, accomplished women are so giving and so thoughtful and generous and I think would really enjoy helping out the younger gen generation. And it's a way to kind of bridge that gap too because IWBC, is, it's been around, I mean, it's great for me to remember when they started because it's exactly as old as I am. So I, it's been around for a little while now and bringing them into this age of technology where we can connect anywhere. I mean, I think more than anything, this pandemic has shown us that like you're only a Zoom call away from anywhere in the world, which is really cool. So we're able to connect in ways that we never could before. Um, and with the mentorship program, it was a way to bring kind of like a new generation of music into contact with this infrastructure and these amazing conferences. And I don't know anyone who's gone to a conference and not loved it and, and just felt this like really special connection to this event. And so I wanted to find a way to start bringing that sense because you get that sense of mentorship at these conferences. You get that connection with people. And I think that's what makes it special is we're not all going there and you know, this is a Tremone thing. So I apologize, non Tremonis, but like we're all playing Bolero as high and as loud as we can. You know, it's it's like it's not it's not about that at this conference. It's more about lifting each other up, and that's what makes it special. And so this was a way to do it for everyone, for people who can't afford to go to conferences, who can't fly, who can't take time off from what they're doing, um, who aren't in a place, maybe they're busy, maybe they're not, they're just not in a place to go. They want to be involved. Um, and for people who want something in the in-between too. So I'm really excited about it. And I think, I really hope it's gonna help a lot of people and just make it more accessible. And um, I'm rambling because I'm excited about, about this and I'm excited about just like making things more accessible to everyone. Like there, I think there are, in our world, there are so many things that just come down to who you know. And like, if you were at a place at the right time, like you could be the most prepared, amazing person if no one, 
has heard you play in the right circles, like you might never get some opportunities that other people would. And so just finding ways that like, no matter your background, your income, your level, like what school you went to, it doesn't matter. You're going to have this opportunity to grow your career. Um, and it's free, you know, which is a whole nother thing of like, yeah, people, there are some people that can afford to pay a ton of money, like to go to, there's some great summer programs, right? And summer programs are amazing, but some of them are very expensive. And I know that for me, it was never an option because I paid my way through school and I had to work in the summer and that's how I was able to, to get my degrees. And so like everyone, and, and I know that I'm very fortunate and I'm, I'm blessed and I'm like very privileged to be in the position that I am. And there are people that are in very challenging situations. And I'm, you know, even, even uh, more fortunate above, above that with my financial situation, being able to work. So I, I definitely wanted to make it more accessible to everyone and do what I could to just kind of like bridge that, that gap. Yeah, definitely. And we will add the, um, like the links to the, the forms and IWBC and stuff in the podcast description and like on our website, I think it's already like, we've already got a lot of links to <laughs> on the website too, but yeah. Yeah, I was watching something the other day and, and it was like a panel and they were talking about how they're trying to provide some accessible lessons. And I think it was the, is it the, I think it's this, the Sphinx Foundation talking mm -hmm. about like mm -hmm. virtual lessons and, and things online and, and trying to help pay, pay people. Like one of the initiatives was like help pay people to um, be able to go take time off to go take even an audition. Because yeah. that's another, like, when you think about the costs of being a musician, like, oh not only do yeah. you have to go go show up to most likely not get win a job, you have to pay to go there and you have to take the time off of work. So if you've got, yeah. like, you know, weekend students, you have to lose the income and pay money. So it's uh, a real decision. I mean, I knew people when I was getting my master's degree who bankrupted themselves to take these auditions. And I mean, one guy I know is a phenomenal Tremonis. He's amazing. He eventually got a job. It worked out. But I was just looking at these auditions he was taking and I was working on the same excerpts as him. And I, I was, you know, thinking to myself, like, I should be doing this for my career. But then like, how am I going to also pay for this book I need for this class to finish this degree? You know what I mean? So it's like, mm -hmm. everyone has to make those choices for themselves. And um, like, for me, I didn't take many auditions. I took any audition I could drive to, and that wasn't very many. Um, you know, I I split a hotel room four ways <laughs> in my, you know, in a couple of my, which which did not help me sleep. <laughs> that's for sure, and did not. I learned very, very um, strongly what it's like to play an exhausted audition, and I could literally feel my lack of energy in the music. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so it, I think everyone's in a different place, and I don't feel like our industry does a good job of supporting people who are in different places. I think there's actually a lot of just kind of systematic judgment built in, um, assuming that like, if you're not doing these things, you're doing it wrong and assuming that everyone should be able to do these things. And it's, I just don't think that's true. And I don't, I don't think it should be true. And I think there are things we can do to change it. Granted, am I saying like the New York Philharmonic should not have a live audition? No, like, but there can be things that we can do, I think maybe to help bridge the gap and make things more accessible for people. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking about making things accessible during a time <laughs> like, like that we're in now. So you started, uh, we'd love for you to talk a little bit about founding and running your virtual trombone workshop. Yeah, so this was fun. And it's it's actually the timing of me chatting with you both is so cool because I just finished the second one. So it started this summer when and that was kind of like when everything sort of started and 
things shut down and we were all going to quarantine and and I feel like there was just sort of confusion of like what is this what's it going to be like you know we're scared but like it's it's not going to be that long right it's going to be a couple of weeks we'll figure it out like a flash forward you know <laughs> and how silly do I feel for thinking like oh you know it'll be fine everyone will stay inside for two weeks and it'll be good no okay <laughs> so at the, I was at this point when I had I had all these students teaching at Mansfield and ECMS and and through assistantships, um, and I had all these colleagues, and even myself. Like I had a tour scheduled in Japan. I was so excited. Um, I was going to be giving masterclasses and recitals and presenting at the International Trombone Festival. Like it was going to be a great summer, right? Um, and all these masterclasses around um, New York and Ohio and like just plans. Life was good, you know. Um, and and for myself and for my colleagues and for my students, like all of those things went away all of a sudden. And I think we have gotten better at connecting over time. We've learned how to do it and we're better at it. It's still not perfect, but we're better. But at that time, I think everyone just felt this deep sense of isolation and fear because we weren't like doing our regular Zoom calls and maybe our teachers and our colleagues weren't quite as good at connecting over um, digital means as they are now. And so all of a sudden, like everyone just felt the world kind of stop. Students lost their chances to perform with each other. Like it was just, I just felt this kind of void. Um, and so I just like had this idea cause I was thinking to myself, Zoom is a thing, right? And like, I've been teaching all these lessons online and I give a masterclass to my students and like, it's going pretty well. And I bet I have some other people and like, wait, what if we added presentations and like, taught some lessons and really made this accessible. And so I actually called up my friend and I was like, I have this idea and I want you to tell me if if I'm just not understanding how hard it's gonna be. Cause I feel like it's doable. And he was like, it's gonna be work, but like, yeah. And so from that point, it was just full steam ahead. You know, I, I have, I'm really fortunate that I know a lot of really, really wonderful human beings. Um, and and so I called people up and I said, I'd like to do this. I'd like to to create this workshop as a sense of community to give back to people and as a fundraiser for a musician's relief fund. And um, everyone donated their time. And we had like almost 600 registrants and it was just a really, really special time to come together. And we put a real focus on like not just like the very top orchestral performers talking about excerpts and like playing, but we put more of a focus, I think, on like diversifying what you're doing. So entrepreneurial things and like doubling and pedag pedagogical approaches and like there was music theory and, and like just all these kind of different things to sort of round out people's approach to the instrument and a lot of opportunities for people to engage with each other and connect and just to play. And we we had, uh, I think we capped it at 80 people who could who played in master classes for this thing. So it was just this chance like for people to like say hello from their living room and get to play for people again and get feedback. And um, it was really, really fun. And so since it went really well, um, we heard from the Eastman School of Music, which obviously I'm an alumni. And so one of the people, or actually I asked both of the Eastman Tremont professors to help me out with this event. And they both were generous and, and did some master classes uh, for me for that. And uh, they were really happy with how it went. And long story short, Eastman asked to partner with us. And so we were able to bring the event back in a very sustainable way um, starting in January, 2021. So we're already planning 2022. I can say now that the other one been over for two days <laughs> so so yeah it was it was really important to me to create again like i talk about this a lot but just create opportunities for everyone make it accessible 
And the first one was free for everyone to attend. I felt very important that it was, I felt that it was very important to bring people together at that time and moment. Moving forward, I, I want to make sure that we're supporting the artists. So we did charge, but we kept the fee really low and we had two points of entry so that it was much more accessible to people. And then my, I, I keep, I talk about like my deal breakers with it and my deal breaker moving forward, like for 2022 is like, we have to have scholarships because it's so important to me that money does not preclude you from getting an experience that's going to help your career. Um, we just ran out of time. It takes a long time to partner with a huge institution. There's a lot of wheels and balls to roll and, and, and a lot of things to do. So it just didn't happen, but it, it's something that is important to me and, and I really hope will happen in the future. That's so exciting. <laughs> that's really <laughs> awesome. Think. Like, I think to me, I'm like, oh, putting on a conference, like that's totally doable. And it just is really <laughs> cool to see it, like the impact you can have, especially in a year like this. For me, like I have experience. I've put on a real conference and, and that was a lot harder. And and I'm very comfortable with technology and I'm good at communication and, and marketing and I can do my own graphics. I can do web design. So all those things that take time and money, I did myself. <laughs> and so it made those things easier and, and, um, you know, it's just a way to give back. And I think it's important that we do that. And so with, you've got IWBC, you've got virtual trombone workshop, you're setting up this mentorship stuff. You've got all these things. What other current projects do you have going on? Uh, like the books, the 18 book for orchestral excerpts, the warm-up book that I know we, the three of us have talked about before. So what else is happening in the life of Lauren? Yeah, so I have this really like intricate analogy that I'm gonna say, and I might regret it, but <laughs> I, so I recently got my doctorate, I finished it and I, it happened during the pandemic. So like I'm a 2020 graduate and proud because that was not fun, <laughs> but, but I'm, I like, pretty recently entered this point in my career where for the first time, like there were not a whole lot of things that I had to do. And unlike, I think the way I thought my life was going to go, like the world is shut down. There are almost no job openings. Like there are no gigs. The, the way I imagined my postgraduate self to be building my career is just not true. And I think that's the case for most of us, um, no matter what stage we are in our career. So for me, I really, I feel like I walked through a door and there's a set of doors in front of me and I'm trying to build a key that's going to open the right door. So like, not only do I have to build this key, choosing pieces of things that I think are going to help my career, but also I'm trying to figure out what door to go through that will also be the right choice. So right now I, I have felt like there are just like, there's a lot of decisions. And I, <laughs> the first couple of weeks after I, I finished my degree, I like was just looking through music and I just kept like learning something for like five minutes and be like, yeah, I'm going to record this or practice this or whatever. And then I move on to the next thing. And I just like, couldn't get myself to focus because there's just a world of options now <laughs> in the way that before it was like, well, I have to do something like this for a recital, or I need a piece about this long. I need something with this feature. You know, I, I want to spotlight this type of thing. So it, it, there was some sort of structure, even in things where I could choose. And so, um, I long story short, I had some projects that I 
basically have like that the etude book that I wrote for orchestral excerpts. I'm really excited about that because the great thing with it is that it's almost done. And by almost done, I mean like it's ready to go. Like it's it's there. Everything's written. It's you know I even made the graphic design. It's laid out professionally. Like I should be good. <laughs> it's just I need I need to like get through that step of final proofreading and feeling comfortable with putting my stuff out there. And I think that's the place where I'm. I'm at now is trying to decide what I want to put out there to share with the world to further my career and how I want to devote my time. Um, for example, we talked about a warm up book uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I was so excited I was going to do this warm up um, that like you warm up along with a major orchestral like movement of a symphony or something. And I actually did it. I um, did it for the fourth movement of Brahms Symphony One, and I finished with it, and I'm like this is not that exciting to me. I don't like it that much. And so I, I scrapped it. And in a couple of days, I wrote a different warm up for the virtual Tremone workshop. And now I'm really excited about that. And like, that's going to be my project. And I think part of why I'm like telling this whole story is that like right now, I think it's about me finding myself and what I can give back to people, but also not trying to just do what I think I should be doing, but find things that are meaningful to me. Because I think right now, like we all need to prioritize our self-care and mental well-being um and for me like right now that is not writing that book but it was coming up with this other idea that had like all these crazy backing tracks and was like all about turning your routine upside down and like doing really like i do this this weird thing that i don't i've never heard a tremonus do it but i love it um so instead of doing your Art, like your interval studies with your lip slurs all in one slide position, I alternate. And so like you're forced to adapt more quickly to the intonation. Um, and it makes really funky, cool sounding things. And I love it. And so that's like something I did and put into this warm up. And um, I want to keep doing stuff like that that's creative and engaging because then it's something that's sustainable and something that I want to keep doing. So um, so that's something I am actually continuously doing and releasing. And my one of my larger goals is like updating my website <laughs> so that all of that's on there is a really great resource. But um, I do I do plan on releasing that etude book soon because I think it's cool. And I've also been doing a lot of duets that are from diverse composers to really raise awareness of just the talent that we have in our field. And they're all um, more historical based components composers and they're for school age kids because I think it's hard to find music like that. Um, and I had this idea for a presentation that I gave with one of my colleagues at the New York um, State School of Music Association uh, online conference this past summer. And um, I had this student who's phenomenal. He's a euphonium player and he was in quarantine like the rest of us. Um, and he, couldn't play with anyone except his little sister who was learning flute and there are no flute euphonium duets that are i think there's like a couple but they're really hard especially the flute part and you know his sister's great but she's just starting and it's going to be many years before she thinks about getting to something like that and i thought like well this could be really cool to do for people so that, because there have to be other people in the same kind of circumstance, right? You're, maybe you have a neighbor that you're co-quarantining with. You know, I've seen a lot of families who like are very selective about who they choose, but like they do, their kids have someone to interact with still or other siblings. And so I think um, it's a great way to still create music. And when it's a duet, it's so much easier to find just one other person. And even, you know, recording with yourself 
with a duet is much easier than saying like trying to do a whole wind ensemble piece or something like that. So I made the, I made a bunch of series of duets that um, the instrumentation's adaptable. So the parts are interchangeable and you can play them with different instruments. And I'd like to continue doing that and actually sort of transition that into some etudes as well. Um, just to raise, again, just like raise awareness of the diverse history of music that we have. Um, and honestly, part of it comes from me studying for my comprehensive exams. Um, because I was so excited when I came across a name I didn't know. And and there are a lot of them. And I was like, well, you know, this this shouldn't be this way. I feel like there really should be some more um, awareness of these people and what they did. And um, I think it's great that we talk about the people we do. Um, but when it comes to specific instruments, I think we could do better maybe showcasing the variety. I mean, when I, I started as a jazz trombonist and my, my first degree was in jazz studies. Um, and like we talked about J.J. Johnson, we talked talked about Frank Rosalino, you know, if we maybe we talked about some modern tremonists like Andy Martin or, um, you know, like it was a very small group of people that you heard about. But then once you dig a little deeper, you're like, oh, Melba Lisbon was a phenomenal tremonist. And like, look, there's even this adorable kids book about her, Melba and her little trombone or something. <laughs> and and so like there's this whole history that we just aren't exposed to. And I felt that way with the International Women's Brass Conference. The first time I went, um, I was just like sitting in a hallway by myself next to Abby Conant. And I was just like, what an insane experience this is that here I am. And we talked for like 30 minutes waiting for, it was this like cool body mapping, um, like tension type thing. And we were waiting because we had appointments and, and like, I got to know her on this, like, and she's just like this really chill, amazing person who was like happy to talk with me. Like a, I was a graduate student she knew nothing about me like you know and, and that's that's like and even abby like i knew about her story and i but honestly like i hadn't heard that many videos of her playing or i hadn't like i hadn't actually checked out her website personally and and that was all on me i should have um and so i try to fix my mistakes of the past for my students by like encouraging their exposure to those kind of things and raising their awareness earlier because i wish it had been done for me because just i think a lot of things i i just didn't think about or know about and that came later with maturity and understanding but also like there are just some things that like you kind of have to be in the know and I I don't like that that's a pet peeve of mine that like you have to know someone or you have to be in the right place um I don't know I just think that education should be more accessible and open to everyone and I like to know things I like to have and <laughs> be in the know so I, I'd like to share as much as I can with other people and keep them in the light <laughs> yep I agree with everything you just said all of that. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And then the final question, which we are asking everyone, is what's on your music stand this week and how are you diversifying your stand? I love it. So um, how I'm diversifying my stand is I'm, I'm really trying to commission more works. So um, I've been trying to support my, like a lot of my younger composer friends. Um, and especially while I had the Mansfield job. So like at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like planning for faculty recital and things. And I was like, this is great. Cause here, like I'm a faculty member doing a recital like that is a good way to premiere a piece. Um, and so I was doing a lot of that then, but still now I'm, I'm trying to do what I can to find music that is new. Um, and like a total polar opposite. I'm also trying to find music that's really old. So um, and record that stuff. So that's one of my, what's on my stand now is, is um, some, or like 
basically arrangements of public domain pieces by diverse composers that I'm trying to, some of them I'm turning into warm up, some of them I'm turning into etudes and some of them I'm, I'm like turning into snippets to record. Um, I talked earlier about how much I hate videotaping myself, but I, I'm trying to make it a priority to like get more recordings of myself out there and be less critical of, of like what I'm okay with sharing with the world. Um, and so, so that's something, um, and then I also have, I have some, I just want to share this piece because it's a phenomenal piece that like, I don't know if anyone but me has played. Um, probably someone else has, but it's not a published piece. But it's by a living composer named Kathy Hankel. And it's a beautiful piece of music. It's called Samantha Song. It's unaccompanied. It's not that long. It's mid-range. Um, and it's just like a beautiful piece. I, I've played it on actually every audition I've taken for college jobs. Um, just because it's it's just like, this great little middle piece. <laughs> and I think it's really cool to come out with something unaccompanied that's not like Mippy or Malcolm Arnold or one of those really standard trombone pieces. Um, so I'm, I'm actually, I've got her piece back out and I'm gonna, I did a recording of it that I, I like a lot. It was for the centennial celebration of um, Susan B. Anthony when I was in Rochester. Cause um, you know, obviously she's huge there. Um, and so that was really cool to play that piece for that event. Um, and that piece saved me because there's a funny story behind that event. I, I was actually supposed to play with a trio, um, this piece that we commissioned and like very last minute, it didn't work out. And so I think I had, I had like less than 48 hours to like pull a piece together and perform it in front of this huge, like this huge thing. It was the centennial celebration. It was huge. And so, um, and so I did this piece and Honestly, like it went pretty well. I still use that recording. I like it a lot. Um, and it, you know, it was in the Eastman Theater, which is a really like beautiful place to play and has very storied history. So it was cool, but I think it's time for me to bring a fresh kind of perspective to that piece of, of just like, I've been through a lot. We've all been through a lot recently and I think I want to re-record it. So that's been on my stand of something that I'm, I'm looking into. Be sure to check out the podcast description and also our website for more information about Lauren and the resources she shared. Thank you so much for listening to Diversify the Stand. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. If you'd like to support us and our projects, check out our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash diversify underscore the underscore stand. Also, the link is in our podcast description. And a huge thank you to Trevor Weston and Whitney George for allowing us to use their compositions in our podcast. The musical introduction is Trevor's trumpet duet, Fanfare for Changes, and the ending music is Whitney's incantations for trumpet and piano. Both composers' websites are also listed in the description. Until next time, what's on your stand? <laughs> <laughs>